All right. All right, all right, all right. Okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Uncommon Sense. This is a podcast where we discuss our American heritage in ways that are sometimes disrespectful, but are always fun and hilarious. I'm here with Jerry today. I'm Jerry. That's yes. me. So today's going to be a little bit different for a couple reasons. First of all, our uh, sound guy, our audio intern, JT, could not join us. He's dealing with, like, JT. electrical problems. Oh, he's so unreliable. We just knew he was going to oh, be a problem. Oh, my goodness. The moment we hired yeah. him, we knew he was going to be a problem. Yeah, the moment we hired him for a coffee per recording session, we were like, it's not even worth it. That first time we brought him coffee, I had the worst vibes. The worst aura. Yeah, vibes atrocious toxic but also you know no power makes it hard to record yeah so he's dealing where like if you hadn't listened last week we recorded remotely last week because of covid and we're doing that again this week and he unfortunately is dealing with an electrical outage so he could not join us second of all uh that was since it was the first time we recorded last week it was obviously um kind of having to deal with different individual audio setups and JT and Jerry both have external microphones, and I do not. So when I listened back to the recording, of course, my audio quality was markedly different from the other two. So I went digging in my house to like find an external microphone, and it's a really bad external microphone from like 2012. But I think anything's better than just using my laptop's internal microphones. I don't want to sound like I'm talking out of a tin can. In contrast to, to Jerry's nice, crispy gamer headphone audio. Hello. This yes. is my nice, crispy gamer headphone audio. Is that not the crispiest gamer headphone audio you ever heard? Oh, you my ever goodness. did hear? It's like, a, it's like a, a bag of Lay's in here. Not sponsored by Lay's. <laughs> Does that mean that it's like 85% air? Yeah, I feel like most speaking content. is. I think you're right. How I feel I like I feel like how much speaking has to do with air. I I feel like if speaking gets below eighty five percent air, it becomes spitting. I guess you're right. <laughs> and I don't want to spit at you. I won't feel it. That's one of the the beautiful things. About Unless it's spitting hard facts. Yeah, that's true. Ooh, girl. That's true. All right. Let's yeah, do our because... our little fun introductory truth lie thing. I had one ready, prepared, and I've already forgotten what I was going to say. So let me know if you can come up with something on the fly. Uh, let's see. Something on the fly. <sighs> My goodness. I'm rooting for you, Jerry. You can do it. I believe in it, you. It needs, it needs to be something that you don't know as well, right? Yeah. I feel like uh, that won't be too hard. Yeah, my my name is Jerry, and I have a very powerful individual trapped on my desk. Individual what? A very powerful individual trapped on my desk. You have an individual trapped, like imprisoned on my desk on your desk. Yeah. That is uh, very cryptic. I feel like there's a lot of details I'm missing here. <laughs> Interesting. Probably. All right. If it's even true. I could just be, you know, just, pulling shit out of my ass. just be throwing words together. Yeah, my name's Jerry, and I literally pull shit out of my ass. Okay. My name's Aime, and I have taken pictures with a Rice Krispie box before. Gotcha. Yeah. 
And today's topic... But, yes, Jerry. I need to know the logistics here. It was like, of this hypothetical. Were, were you, like, posing with, like, snap, crackle, and pop? Or, like, was it just the box? No, no, no. I used the box as the camera. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were, like, posing with the box. Like, hey, got myself some Rice Krispies. Imagine if that's the most interesting thing I could come up with. Which, honestly, that's not off-brand at all. I was like, that sounds totally believable. But that's so out there. <laughs> Which is the perfect summation of me. <clears throat> totally believable, but so out there. You know what I need to share before we get started? So, general consensus on LaCroix. Uh, most people wow. probably don't enjoy it very much. True. Right? Yeah, LaCroix. Literally, what is the point? People don't enjoy it very much. Uh, I, I do enjoy LaCroix to a point, certain flavors, so I've been drinking it. But what I learned this morning is that nobody likes flat LaCroix. Once that's LaCroix just, is flat, there is no point to drink it. That's just Hint. Like, there is that. It's called, it has a brand. It's called Hint. No, but, like, Hint is supposed to be flat, and, like, you know, it compensates for it by having, like, a good flavor. LaCroix is not supposed to be flat, and the flavor that's in it is fine when it's carbonated, but once that's all it has, it has nothing. LaCroix is club soda that traveled in a truck next to fruit. And if you took away the carbonation, uh, then it's just like you it's left just... water next to fruit for too long. And who wants that? Yeah. Like, peach pear is pretty good. It's basically the only one I drink. How, but, do, you, how do you feel about yeah, kombucha? That's enough. I don't think I've had kombucha before. Oh, girl. Uh, good for you. For sis. the longest time, I thought that was like an alcoholic drink. I missed up kombucha and Kahlua for a while. Uh, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. I would say uh, kombucha is something you should try before you die. Like, put it on your bucket list. But, but some wait, people I are might committed, have, and I don't understand that. I might have had kombucha. One second. You're going to look up? Are you going to Google, have, have I had kombucha? I'm looking at what kombucha is, exactly. It's like a probiotic drink there's like live cultures in it i have had kombucha Thoughts? i went to this like salad bar in westchester the couch tomato or something like that in westchester uh-huh. and i was like man i really want to have a drink and they had like you know like soda options and like water and shit like that and then i saw this kombucha drink it was like strawberry and lavender. Oh God. Yeah. And I was just like, why not? I'm already getting a salad that's out of character enough. I might as well just go all out. Go I didn't taste the, the strawberry. You I'm just, pretty sure it was just flowers. Just it was like just lavender. the piss culture. I, to me, kombucha tastes like, um, like a high school gym locker room with like uh, an airwick that's been there for two weeks it, it it tastes like like the kombucha i had tastes like i licked a febreze like like the febreze hole on a bot <laughs> like the bottle of febreze it, it tastes like i licked it directly and i was just like ah uh, don't lick the febreze hole ladies and gentlemen and other have you licked a febreze hole no, and I won't because I've drank kombucha and it's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
that's my that's my one for today, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, my name is Jerry, and I look at the Febreze hole. Okay, so on that note, <laughs> let's get into what we're going to talk about today. Um, actually, let's right. a little bit longer. Let's let's chat a little bit current events. Um, I think the latest and biggest is that. As of yesterday, the Electoral College has officially certified Joe Biden as the future president of the United States. Did you know that, Jerry? I did not. Uh, I The only current events I know is that there's something going on with the vaccine. As far as I know, the vaccine is currently being distributed in some areas to... Um, test. Well, I, not to test. I think it's being distributed to like medical professionals and people who are in a high-risk, uh, like essential worker situations. So that is, uh, that is something that is going on. Yes. Also, um, Paul Mitchell is a Republican congressperson or was a Republican congressperson. And he publicly released a statement saying that he is now converting to an independent member of Congress and no longer wishes to associate with the Republican Party over Donald Trump's behavior and refusing to accept the election results. He thinks that it's threatening to democracy and he doesn't want to be associated with that. Uh, I believe there's currently a hundred and something House Republicans who are kind of joining this bandwagon of saying that the election results should be overturned, I suppose, on the premise of voter fraud, which has been the calling card of the GOP at the moment. And Bill Barr has resigned from his position in Trump's uh, official circle. Those are some of the, the major headlines that have been going on this week. So that's all very interesting. Uh, it's looking increasingly to me like um, the Republican Party is kind of eating itself right now and getting closer to collapse. And a lot of people are saying that the GOP will not be able to recover from what is going on right now. And I don't know, of course, that that's true because I can't predict the future. But the Republican Party has consistently been reformed multiple times since America's founding uh, under various different names like actually we discussed a few episodes ago and this kind of seems like one of those times when the platform is overturning in a very turbulent way and I'm curious to see what the Republican platform will be like moving forward I'd say you know between uh, I don't know maybe the 70s up to the 2010s the 20 teens the Republican Party really put emphasis on fiscal responsibility and, and now it's that's not really the case anymore there's kind of this uh, cultish paradigm surrounding Donald Trump and his <laughs> to be frank Donald Trump and his belief systems and his platforms and conspiracy theories and all kinds of things like this and it's unprecedented at least in our lifetime when we're young but it seems like it's just very unusual, and I am curious about where it's going to go. Now, Jerry, yeah. Jerry's pretty apolitical, so he probably, I'm guessing you don't have as many thoughts on that? Yeah, not not exactly. I mean, like, I, I don't follow politics very much. I'm just sort of like a it, live and let live kind of guy with that. Like, if somebody seems to be making a sense, then I'll vote for them. I really don't care if they're Republican or Democrat, but if I don't like anybody who's, like, running, I'm not going to, like, yeah, I'm not going to get political on this, though, because I don't want people, I don't know. Yeah. I, 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 I... <laughs> yeah. I have very little in the way of commentary when it comes to political topics other than neat or, like, uh-huh. Uh, but the cult thing, Yeah. I feel like 
I feel like we touched on that last week as well. Yeah, we did. Last week we hit a pretty serious topic. If you didn't listen, we talked about cults that had its origins in America that went dangerously awry, specifically Heaven's Gate and Jonestown, and just kind of the mentality that surrounds cultish behavior and organizations. And a lot of people call QAnon a cult and call Trump's following a cult. And I'm not saying I do or don't agree with that um, epithet to describe those groups of people, but uh, the behavior um, at large that is attributed to these specific aggregates definitely definitely seems extreme. And a lot of people will say, well, that's just the media, that's just tailored information, that's just this, that, and the other thing. But I have had plenty of firsthand experiences, believe you me, trust and believe, I have had plenty of firsthand experiences to justify my own paradigms about that. And when I say I agree that it seems, at least seems cultish, uh, I feel like I'm well informed on that stance. But all that being said, uh, that's not what this week is going to be about. We are going to move on to our main topic, and that is American historical disasters that have led to stricter laws. And I think this is an oh. interesting thing. So Jerry did not know what the topic was <laughs> before just now. Um, I think I'm very informed. This is an interesting topic of discussion because sometimes I see something or I observe something about society or just any situation, and I'm like, why is this particular thing a thing? Like, have you ever had that thought? I'm like, why does this rule exist? Like, who screwed up somewhere in the past that we had to have these parameters? I I feel like the one that jumped into my head like right away was TSA. Like at airports and things like that, and how strict they are with different like policies about what you can bring on planes and things like that. Like, yeah, what twenty years ago, none of that was there. Right. So nine eleven is going to be one of the things that's that like... we that we discuss today, because uh, that's a big one, and gotcha. it's something I think we both know about a lot because uh, as older Zoomers, we are uh, we were like two or three years old when that happened, so we're taught a lot about it growing up, even if we don't have specific memories, mm-hmm. and um. There's gonna. There's a few things. Uh, we're only gonna. We're gonna talk about a, a couple of examples. But one example that I think is really interesting that is not as commodified in discussions as 9/11. Partly because I think it's so much older, because it's about a, a different set of rules, is the um, shirtwaist, the Triangle Shirtwaist New York fire. Have you ever heard of that, Jerry? Triangle Shirtwaist New York fire. Mm-hmm. I have not heard of it. I can only assume. That it has something to do with like factories and guidelines on factories. Yes, you would be correct. This sounds like something that's like like Roosevelt era, like the New Deal kind of deal. So this preceded. Um, I assume you mean FDR. Yeah, the New Deal. Yeah. Uh, this preceded FDR by about. 20-something years. The the year is 1911, so this was actually shortly before the Titanic sank, even. And uh, in New York, in the Manhattan region, on the Lower East Side, there was a Triangle Shirtwaist factory that employed um, a lot of people. It was a very, very big, crowded factory. Some people say it was basically analogous to a sweatshop, and if you were needing work in New York, you wanted to work for Triangle Shirtwaist. It was, um, you know, a very uh, 
I don't want to say it, it wasn't exactly gainful employment, but it was a commodified option for people who were looking for work, and specifically people who were immigrants from places like Italy and Germany were looking forward to working at Triangle Shirtwaist, and there was, it, like I said, it was a crowded factory had a lot of employees and a lot of unregulated conditions. And to give you an idea, some people working there were as young as like nine or 10 years old. So in the year 1911, disaster struck at this particular factory. And because we referenced it as the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory Fire, you can imagine it has something to do with fire. Um, I thought it was gonna involve like I don't know, like like a robbery or something with that kind of name, you know, like somebody not a went robbery. and they were like, give us all your money. <laughs> uh. No, not quite. So uh, historically speaking, looking back, most people speculate and agree that the, the fire in question got started because somebody may have discarded a cigarette butt into a bin of textiles. But whatever the case, a fire escalated uh, very quickly in the on the eighth floor of the building and so get this story this story is wild to me because you know murphy's law right jerry anything can go wrong will go wrong it's like exactly the perfect representation of that axiom literally everything that could have gone wrong so first of all when the fire started out small somebody tried to grab a fire safety hose and um water it down but the hose was like old and not cared for and rotted so it just didn't work at all so the fire continued to spread so uh you know the i guess when you hear fire emergency in a building your instinct would be to run for the stairs because that's the popular form of evacuation from a tall building but here's the thing the two owners of the factory used to lock in the employees by locking the door from the outside so that they couldn't access the stairs they couldn't leave before the end of their ships. God. Yes, so everybody was locked inside. So they couldn't access the stairs. So they ran for the elevator and the elevator was very small and old and poorly maintained. So they could only fit like maybe 10 to 12 people in there at a time. So they managed to make four trips, but then the elevator broke down and could no longer be used. So there was a fire escape, but the fire escape was very small and everybody was crowding it and there was too much chaos. So the fire escape collapsed. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> so firefighters arrive on the scene, but the thing is their ordinances didn't, weren't, uh, I guess you could say uh, harmonizing with uh, building ordinances. So the ladders and the hoses couldn't reach eight stories worth of height. It could only reach the seventh floor and the fire was on the eighth floor. So, be because there were so many things going wrong, like literally every single escape uh, attempt at escape and safety ended up going down the drain. Uh, just people were stuck in this horrible situation and a lot of people actually jumped out the windows um, and ultimately the death toll from this horrible accident amounted to about 123 women and 23 men. And that's not a solid number, but it's somewhere around that. So that's 146 people died from this horrible tragedy. And the youngest was a 13-year-old girl. And most died of burns, asphyxiations, and blunt impact injuries from jumping or a combination of all three of those things. So talk about I scary. God, I'm just imagining like 
being in that situation, like in that room, it's like, oh man, there's a fire. I'll use the fire hose. Oh, that didn't work. Time to try the door. Door's locked. Elevator is broken. Fire escape is broken. Oh, the fire department's here. Can't get to us. Yeah, right, right. Uh, 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 like, <laughs> what? It was like, this, this, the odds were not in your favor. And this really goes to show how low the regard was for the sanctity of life for these blue-collar factory workers. And a lot of people even think this kind of registered uh, in the public opinion as a feminist issue, too, because it just so happened that so many of these employees were women at a time when it you know, wasn't commodified for women to be in the working force in any case. For mm-hmm. there to be, you know, so little regard for their safety, just kind of bespoke to a lot of people a much bigger issue about labor laws, about gender, about all these kinds of things. So, very scary, horrible tragedy, um, and it was for a while um, a man-made factory disaster that had the highest death toll. Um, I th- that record was eventually broken. I'm not sure by what exactly, but it was it was held by Triangle Shirtwaist for a while. So they often say, you know, that change is written in blood, and uh, this is a pretty classic example of that. So despite the fact that so many lives were unfortunately and tragically lost to, you know, this horrible and ostensibly avoidable accident, it did give rise to laws and organizations that changed factory worker conditions and fire safety for a long time. So, for example, uh, in New York, the Committee of Public Safety was formed. It was headed by a person who witnessed the event, Francis Perkins, who 22 years later would be appointed United States Secretary of Labor. And the whole you know, idea of the program was to identify specific problems and to lobby for new legislation that would help these kinds of situations in the future and hopefully prevent them. So an example is the bill to grant workers shorter hours in a work week, and it was known as the 54-hour bill, because it wasn't uncommon before that for people to be working 70 hours a week. Yeah, yeah. The New York State Legislature also created the Factory Investigating Commission to investigate factory conditions. Quote, investigate factory conditions in this and other cities and to report remedial measures of legislation to prevent hazard or loss of life among employees through fire, unsanitary conditions, and occupational diseases. End quote. And their findings led to 38 new laws regulating labor in New York State and gave them a reputation as leading progressive reformers working on behalf of the working class. So this is actually kind of a turnaround for New York leading the way for America to hold their blue-collar workers in a higher regard. Yeah, all all it took was a factory burning down 146 people like oh my god yeah it obviously sucks that it took so much for these kinds of things to happen yeah next time i had like i'm like oh man we have to do a fire drill i'm gonna be like thinking about this being like it's probably a good thing we're testing these fire alarms yeah yeah you know like making sure that all these uh yeah uh because the last thing you want is there to be a fire uh, in your place of work, and you go for the fire extinguisher, but the pressure is too low because nobody's been checking it, so yeah. the fire extinguisher doesn't work. And then you go to open the door, but the doorknob falls off because it's been <laughs> loose for weeks and nobody decided to tighten it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, and the, the the fire escape, yeah, it, it's too rotted because it was built in yeah, 1896. The, 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 well, yeah, fi- fire escape's fine, but the window's jammed, so you can't open the window. There you go. 
and oh my god yeah so that's the kind of thing like, like we grew up doing fire drills and stuff in school and it was just something that was like a momentary inconvenience and was irritating but those procedures do exist for a reason and if like you're ever wondering why certain specifically in regard to fire safety why there's evacuation plans and fire drills like this kind of stuff that has happened in history is why we have these things today you know everything yeah. exists for a reason I wish I had this insight as a child, so I wasn't like, you know, walking out of the building just being like, why do we even need to do this? There's a fire. I'm just going to, like, leave. It's like, but, like the ghosts of the Triangle Shirtwave, Shirtwaist Factory disasters have entered the chat. They would like to know your location. Yeah. Now I'm like, oh, thank God somebody's actually checking these fucking things. You know, it's also, I mean, there's a sentimental value in it, too, because a lot of people that spoke publicly on the issue said very plainly that we do not want these women to have died in vain. It's so tragic, of course, that they had to lose their lives and their families had to deal with the fall. I mean, loss of life is always very sad, and especially when it feels like it was so avoidable. But at least we can say that... Uh, this tragedy led to, you know, innovations to prevent it from happening again in the future. So, uh, yeah. you know, as annoying as the, the, some rules and some procedures can be, you trust and believe it is <laughs> because of certain precedents that were set and, you know, things we want to the, avoid happen. The moral of the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory fire disaster is that you shouldn't bellyache when you have to check the pressure on your fire extinguisher yeah. because it beats burning to death uh, definitely or having to jump out a window um, really. yeah also that there's like pictures and stuff if you look on google of like the bodies that were lying on the sidewalk they kind of like lined up the bodies on the sidewalk and then had to have like the horse-drawn hearses come and pick them up um uh, again the fire happened on the eighth floor which is very high, of course, and very scary. But when I saw the pictures, okay, so it's one time. We're going to talk about 9-11 a little bit later, but one, a lot of famous videos where people were, like, recording with their phones and stuff when 9-11 was happening, you saw a lot of people, like, jumping out of the buildings, you know. And first of all, uh, I am a person who is afraid of both heights and death. And I can't imagine the kind of headspace a person may be in before obviously before making such a such a, a an emotional decision. decision yeah and like so i had this class where we were discussing uh, like photojournalism and in the world of journalism there's like a good taste sort of parameter that photojournalists have to be aware of because certain pictures and tragedies can be very graphic and very disturbing and it's like you want to have journalistic integrity and report the truth but you also want to keep in mind the like sensitivities and sensibilities of your audience so there are certain kind of uh you know i don't want to call it censorship but some people might call it that there's certain rules and like sort of just like good taste uh maxims in place that you have to be aware of and one of the controversial things that was going around in photojournalism world in the newspapers after 9-11 was somebody had taken a picture of a severed hand that was found in the ground zero rubble <clears throat> shortly after 9-11 happened. And I don't know, it's on the internet, I've seen it, you can look up the picture, it's a little bit hard to find, and it's especially hard to find in like a, a high viewable resolution because 
it is a picture that was withheld from the public view on purpose. But the severed hand is very graphic and disturbing, and you can see like muscles and sinew, not to get gross, but you can see the muscles and sinew coming out of the wrist and stuff because of the way it's been severed violently from the body. And that seeing that picture on Google led me to finding on the internet other like classified photos that were withheld from being published of people who had jumped out of the towers and they're called jumper photos. And so like in the triangle shirtwaist incident, jumping eight stories will kill you. But 9-11, you know, those, those buildings were, I don't know how high and these people were jumping hundreds of feet and probably maxing out on the velocity of gravity. So that when you, yeah, when, when you hit the ground at that point, uh, your body from the impact, I mean, ca it causes destruction. So like the victims from the shirtways, and I'm not comparing them saying one was worse than the other, but just from a v purely visual standpoint, the people who had jumped out of the factory in 1911 were recognizable and died from probably internal injuries. And the people that jumped out of the towers during 9-11 in 2001, uh, the way a body looks after it's hit the ground going that fast and after having jumped that high is really, really unusual and um, very, it's, it's, I can't think of any other word besides like gory and it's like maybe nothing you wouldn't see in a, like a Saw movie, but something knowing about the context knowing that it's nonfiction and that these were actual people and maybe it was in poor taste for me to even look at the pictures like but they're out there on the internet you have to do some digging to find them like i said it's it's difficult to find them just through google but they are out there and they're very unusual and if you're gonna if you're hearing me and you're gonna decide to go and try and find them i highly suggest like viewer discretion is advised because they are difficult to look at and um it's like I don't know, the whole thing is, I mean, there's like no words. It's difficult to articulate in English words what a disaster and how sad that so much destruction comes out of such horrible things. And, you know, we remember yeah. uh, the people that died in 9-11, you know, of course, I don't want to, <laughs> I always want to keep this podcast kind of light and funny and we always get into these really serious things. Yeah, it gets like, it gets to serious points, but I feel like, that's a requirement when talking about certain aspects of history. Absolutely. And, I mean, like, it's not something we can really joke about. Because, like, you know, obvious reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's certain lines uh, we do not want to cross. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. I feel like something that... It, are we can is there like another disaster we want to talk about before we got into like the nine eleven disaster or yeah there's one that's right. a big one yeah <laughs> so I'll, I'll I'll save my comments on that until we get okay. to that gotcha um we don't want to get ahead of ourselves so actually the next disaster I was going to talk about I wasn't even sure if we should talk about it because we're supposed to be a podcast about American history and politics and this particular incident a little on a little boat called the Titanic <laughs> um. Wasn't, I mean, it's, this is, I, okay, 
maybe not technically American history, and it was a British registered ship, but I still wanted to talk about it, and I found out that the Titanic was actually owned by none other than J.P. Morgan, who, despite being registered a British ship, it was still owned by J.P. Morgan, and J.P. Morgan was, as many people know, a very famous American financial tycoon. So we can kind of make it American history. <laughs> yeah. And in any case, I mean, it was, uh, it, it affected American, you know, maritime laws. So it, it was, it, it yeah. at least exists in conjunction with American history as well as the rest of the world. And this incident, of course, I probably don't need to detail as much because everybody's heard of the Titanic. Not everybody has heard of shirtwaist, but everybody's heard of Titanic. And when I was little, the visceral fascination I got out of like looking at the like exploration excavation pictures of like the one half of the Titanic that was found at the bottom of the ocean and like the moldy uh, flatware and all the remains and stuff. Was always, I just was always so fascinated by that. Um, what an insane thing. So I guess for baseline information people should have about the Titanic was that it was supposed to be this marvel of innovation, this enormous cruise ship for the upper oh. echelon that was unsinkable like, unsinkable unsinkable they had all these trap doors somehow but like listen i'm not an expert uh, expert on ships or an architecture or architectural design but from what i remember learning it was like basically it was innovative because like at the bottom of the ship or whatever they had a bunch of trap doors in there in different layers so that if water were to get in there they were they would just close each successive door and like all of those little canals needed to be filled with water for the boat to start sinking which was like <laughs> astronomically improbable like no way could yeah. that ever happen no way so like yeah. because the architects were so assured of the indestructibility of the ship they didn't take like actual thorough safety precautions and the most famous example is there were not enough lifeboats on the ship in the event that it sunk to evacuate everybody who was on there so, and this kind of got, like, it, it even got worse. And so the Titanic took many hours to sink because it is such, was such an enormous ship. It took many hours to sink. So the people had a lot of time to evacuate. But there was a big time delay in between the announcement of the damage. And for, if anybody doesn't know, or if anybody needs a reminder, um, the ship ended up kind of bumping into an iceberg, ripped a hole uh, towards the bottom. Sorry, I don't know ship terminology. Somewhere yeah. in, in the bottom. <laughs> and water started filling in. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel like the second you're like, yeah, this is unsinkable. You're just like inviting disaster. You're just like inviting God to step tempting. in and be like, you just, you just flew yeah, too just close like, to the sun, my dude. Yeah, cracks his fingers. Unsinkable, you say. You boink. Iceberg. <laughs> Bitch, I'll show you unsinkable. You says, like, it was like trying to build the Tower of Babylon. God saw hubris and was like, let me just check y'all asses for a second. I need to teach y'all a lesson intermittently. <laughs> so, you know what's unsinkable? Nothing. <laughs> Absolutely. He said, you know what's unsinkable? This ass. Listen, the water... You know, I think filled in quite, it got to the point where you couldn't, like, close off enough canals, of it, like, anymore to stop the boat from sinking or the ship from sinking. And it was too late to do anything by the time it, w by the time the damage was observed. I remember, like, whosoever went up to whosoever and said, this ship is sinking and we need to evacuate. And the higher authority, maybe it was the captain himself, said, or th took it as a joke. 
and it took a while to get the evacuation going simply because nobody could take it seriously. And then as the boat was sinking, they sent, they have like every, I guess the ships back then had, a, and maybe still do, I don't know, had flare pistols to launch into the air to signal other ships for help. And the Titanic did that. And when other ships saw it, they thought it was just fireworks. Like it was just a celebration because they knew it was the Titanic and that it was unsinkable. So they didn't take the signaling seriously because they didn't think it was an emergency. I, I don't know. It's like another, I, go ahead, Jerry. I just imagine like they're like halfway in the water at that point, you know, like everybody's feet are starting to get wet. It's like, man, I didn't know this was like, you know, partially submersible. That's crazy. It's not sinking. It's just, you know, it's part submarine, right? It's part of the skit. It's part of the show. It's the yeah, theater of man, it all. This is so aesthetically pleasing and very cold. This, this ocean very is, cold. I wish we weren't doing this, but it's very cool. Like, oh, I wasn't like, expecting Swimming in the water? When does the ship come back up? Because <laughs> oh it's God. unsinkable. It floats back up to the top, right? Holy shit. So, I, you know, uh, the panic was delayed is the message <laughs> of the story, of course. The response was badly delayed. And, you know, other vessels weren't responding to emergency signals. I forget what the situation was with the radio, because I know they tried to use it. I think it just straight up either wasn't working or nobody would answer. So it was another kind of, it was, it was like the shirtwaist thing. It's just everything we tried, nothing worked. And then when they did start to evacuate on the lifeboats, the captain was so frantic and so eager to get the women and children specifically off the boat that he would only fill the lifeboats halfway. And so you, they already wasn't enough to get everybody on there. And then because of the way the evacuation was going, there was even a less, less proportion of people because he was not filling up the lifeboat. So a lot of people debate, you know, the performance of the captain in, in such a situation and could he have done better. And I've, I've heard some people say, like, it was really irresponsible of him to do that. And I've heard other people say he was doing his best in the situation that he was in. Either way, uh, it was a very, it's, I guess it doesn't matter, but um, definitely beyond disastrous. So, yeah, uh, that boat cracked in half. It pretty like much, that, 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 yeah. that, that boat, like, that boat didn't just sink. It, like, it sank in two pieces. There's yeah. actually, um, like videos on YouTube that people have probably seen. It's like the Titanic sinks in real time and there's like CGI simulations of the Titanic sinking and it's like six hours in, all the lights go off and you can watch how long it actually took. I think it took like probably a, at least eight hours for the whole ship to sink. And so this was needless to say the story of the century like all that was in the newspapers were people talking about the unsinkable ship and how it's sunken. You can trust and believe there are conspiracy theories. Some people think that J.P. Morgan planned for the ship to sink. There's also this creepy, like, I don't know too much about this, but there's this thing where some writer wrote, like, this prophetic short story about a ship called the Titan. And it was like the same story as the Titanic, but it came out like a year before. And it was it was like it, it was supposed to be this huge unsinkable ship, and it hit an iceberg and sunk. And it was called the Titan. And it was everybody's like, "Ooh, coincidental! How did that happen?" So, just like everything else, there's just, like weird conspiracy theories about it. Does art imitate life, or does life imitate art? Mm. 
are we just a simulation? Maybe this is art to somebody else. Mm. A person be fucked up. What if God wrote that story about the Titan? I was, and it's just like, every once in a while, she puts little hints around, and we just never take it seriously enough. Yeah, just getting more and more bold. Like, you know what? I'm just gonna tell them this is gonna happen before it happens. See how many people believe me. Yeah, I'm just gonna just straight up let them know. So yeah, if you're... I'll just straight up tell them. Just straight up tell them. Um, I see a lot of like conspiracy theories accounts post like oh this billboard in this movie like okay transformers for example so you know my oh shit sorry about that noise my microphone fell you know my uh unnamed personal connection i have in my life that is a huge QAnon conspiracy theorist that has been mentioned in at least one previous episode and we'll call him um we'll call him but uh, i'm a's other i'm a's other what, what, yeah. What 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 are we calling? What are we calling them? Sorry. I was gonna say W because that's just another random word in the alphabet. But people call George W. Bush W. So I don't want to use that. What comes? What letter uh, let's comes call after him... R? I mean Q. R. Q R. Yeah. R. Yeah. Let's call him R. So R, on his. So I know this person named R, and he's like the biggest conspiracy theorist that you could know. And I mean, unironic, not even joking, top of the conspiracy theory pyramid, believes in the deep state, believes 9-11 was a simulation, he believes the government's projecting the sky, and they're going to fake the rapture, and he believes in chemtrails, and he believes Hillary Clinton is a lizard person, and that celebrities are reptilians, and uh, all that kind of stuff, all that fun stuff. And he would, like, post on his Instagram the, uh, these little screen caps from like movies like Transformers because Hollywood to the QAnon and the R and these kinds of people believe that like Hollywood is just a like a sub-faction of the deep state and they're all this satanic they all worship Satan and they're like this exclusive evil c- collusion of with reptilians that traffic like children and traffic a drug called adrenochrome and so because of that, because that's all in Hollywood, they mock the general public by putting hints about all of their, uh, all of their evil deeds in their movies and, their, and stuff they write. Now, I personally know one or two screenwriters. <laughs> and I, I guess I didn't know that uh, I was acquainted with reptilians. But that's, oh my goodness. But, you know. This is the reality. You got to see yeah. it through the veil, you know. Well, what what exactly is adrenochrome? So adrenochrome, I think it is a, a real chemical substance that does exist, but the QAnon spins it like it's this. Basic. Okay, have you ever heard of PizzaGate? No. So PizzaGate is this pretty popular QAnon conspiracy theory. Let me adjust my microphone real quick. Do I sound okay? Are you hearing like little knocks and bumps and stuff? Uh, not that I've noticed. Not really. Okay, it's probably not too bad. So, Pizzagate is this conspiracy theory that, like, in somewhere in Southern California, in this pizza shop, children are trafficked, like, kidnapped and trafficked, and put in this basement in this in this pizza shop, this like facility that covers as a pizza shop, and in the basement, this is y'all. Okay, warning. This is like some crazy shit coming up. <laughs> like if you're sensitive, I don't know, click off because this is just some crazy bullshit. I swear to God. But of the children, yeah. Uh, if, if you're sensitive about this, skip five minutes ahead, and we'll probably be done talking about it. Hopefully, we'll be it. done. 
Um, they take the children and put them in the basement of this pizza shop, and then they torture the children and like sex, like do just just all forms of horrible torture to the children, so that it like they get adrenaline rushes, and then while they they have like adrenaline in their system, they extract their blood, and it's supposed to be mixed with the adrenaline, and out of that you get adrenochrome, and it's like this drug that it is supposed to when it's ingested it reverses the aging process somehow don't ask me or them how because that doesn't make any scientific sense but it reverses the aging process so people like ellen and like johnny depp take this they get like hooked on adrenochrome and they take this they take this drug to reverse the aging process and it's like it's the blood of terrified children <laughs> so that's that answer uh, my question hey i know you told me not to ask this but hey everybody who believes that how the fuck does that work just let us know. Like, let us know. Let us know. We want to know. Yeah, please show please me. Convince me. Like, I... you know, any proof really is good. A formula, you know, like fucking diagrams for how that medically works. I'm not very informed about this, so well, you might even mind, have a chance of convincing me. Keep in mind, this particular aggregate of individuals thinks that the entire medical uh, field and industry and educational circle is all fabricated and fake and misleading and. Medical specialists it's are all quacks. They're teaching fake science. It, it, it's because they can't find any scientific evidence of their insane well, they, theories. I, in ours case, R believes that like no doctor knows what they're talking about. He literally doesn't believe in germs. Like he doesn't believe in germ theory. He thinks that it's all miasma. Which, right. if y'all don't know what miasma is, it's this kind of this overarching umbrella term for like a medical theory from like the 1200s, where the environment causes illnesses and has nothing to do with germs entering your system. It all has to do with the environment. And then that plays into how he believes the government is spraying chemicals from planes to like make you sick by inducing like miasma conditions and that covid is like a mixture of the so2 from the chemtrails and the 5g radiation from the 5g towers and like that's what's making covid and viruses are not transmissible and there's like no such thing as like a virus that you can get other people i really i really want somebody with covid to cough in our's mouth i'm sure he would welcome it like he would absolutely yeah cough in my mouth nothing will happen well, if you ever, I've like watched videos of these like QAnon people going to rallies and protests against the COVID shutdowns and stuff in Washington D.C. And there was literally one guy that was like, "Cough on me, cough on me, come on, you bust out!" I never bathe, I never wash my hands, I never wear a mask, and I'm fine. I'm fine. So I don't know what happened to. Him. I don't know where he's at now. God bless his soul. I'm fucking dead. But like, there's some people that are absolutely down to get coughed, and like, some guy like came up to him and coughed on him, and he was like, "Yeah, yeah!" Like he was so into that, so into it. I know. I, I dislike wish, that. I wish y'all could see the face that Jerry's making right now. Pretty I good. dislike that a lot. I dislike this. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it either. I, yeah, it is. I, um, <laughs> it's something. Just like, go to the hospital and look all the doorknobs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah don't. Actually, don't. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Not. I mean, like, hey, if you don't believe in germs, then what do you have to lose? Tasty doorknob. Free for the licking. I'm sure you won't get anything from that. It's true. You can lick doorknobs and it's absolutely free. Yeah. Hand sanitizer is just for the smell. That nice little tingly feeling afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't do anything. 
Uh, I don't remember how we got into this topic. I was going to talk about the maritime laws that changed after the Titanic. <laughs> Uh, I think because I was saying the Titanic, there's like conspiracy theories about how it actually. Yeah, you talked about Titanic conspiracies, conspiracies and then we but, went on okay. a tangent One to talk about another. coughing in people's mouths. Oh, I was gonna say, oh my god, Art, ah, on his instagram feed he made this post about how in transformers there's like an in the background of one of the shots there's a there's a billboard of a of that washington crosses the delaware painting by emmanuel loitza and it, the caption is like by george we did it and then there's another billboard in the same shot that has the has like a virus spore diagram on it or something so it was like foreshadowing and the movie was made in 2007 and it was like foreshadowing the george floyd tragedy and the black lives matter movement and the virus thing was foreshadowing the pandemic and it's like the hollywood elites the, the pedophilic hollywood elites are like poking fun at us and just like making fun of us by like prophesying all of these things that they're that they're fabricating yeah, yeah. I, I just uh, that's what I like was trying to anyway. You know, I, the, the, a wise man. I don't know who said this quote. I can probably look it up later, but I don't feel like it. Mm-hmm. Said never argue with an idiot because they'll drag you down to their level and beat you with experience. Oh, interesting. I'll have to sit on that one. So, uh, any case, I'm not uh, going to argue with these dragging, people about these things. Dragging down to a low level, the Titanic. Uh, oh my goodness, the Titanic! Changed certain maritime laws. So, just for a few specific examples for educational purposes, there was something called the Radio Act of 1912, which required that all sea vessels have a 24-hour radio system in place to contact each other. Maybe that was the thing with the radio. I said I wasn't sure. Maybe it was that they were trying to call people, but the people that were on the other end were, like, sleeping. They happened to be sleeping, so they couldn't get in contact with anybody. Um, In addition, after the passage of this act, all radio operators were required to obtain a license to promote the credibility and responsibility of operators. So the radio thing became more stringent. did they also, like, pass a law about the amount of lifeboats per vessel? Yeah, so there was a change to, like, ship designs and ship ordinances. I'm trying to see if I can find, like, the actual title of the actual law. We'll get there. I'm going to go down the list. Um, there was something called the Jones Act. Uh, the Jones Act or the Merchant Marine Act. It was passed in 1920, so this is eight years after the fact. And it was this federal law that has many components, but also allows a ship employee or a seaman injured at sea to file a lawsuit against their employer. So this act calls for rightful compensation and recovery of the injured party. There is also like changes to ship designs, like you said. So after the Titanic, ships started being redesigned for better safety. The ship's bulkheads were made higher so that water could not get in and the bottoms were stretched uh, to create double holes. And these changes all contributed to better, safer, and more reliable sea travel. Um, there was the International Convention for the Safety of Life at Sea, which is abbreviated to SOLAS. Um, so after the Titanic, the British and the American Boards of Inquiry decided that ships should, here you go, carry enough lifeboats for everyone on the ship. So there would be, um, there would also be required lifeboat drills and inspections to divert another mass boat sinking accident. And these requirements were, uh, were part of SOLAS, whose primary purpose is set to hold safety standards for merchant ships. SOLAS was developed after the sinking of the Titanic in 1914, but was not fully adopted until 1974. 
So there you go. There's a little summation of the maritime laws and ordinances that we have in place now. You know that a lot of it came from such a terrible accident happening. I actually don't know. I'm curious about how many people died on the Titanic. Have you seen the movie, Jerry? I have not seen that movie. I haven't either, but I do have a picture of the poster framed on my wall. Oh. So you... Why, my so brother thinks it's really funny that I haven't seen Titanic when my family loves it so much, so one Christmas he got me the poster, uh, and I hung it up, and I will always have that poster hung up, but I will never watch the movie, just say, for the meme. Now you have to never watch the movie. I feel like my computer... Oh, here we go. Okay, I was worried my computer was about to crash. And it might. Do, it just do, might. I, I don't know... <laughs> Do, do you want to see the picture? I don't. The people at home will be able to see it, so I don't know if it's really worth dragging off the wall at the moment. Yeah, show it to me later. I don't want to get through. I'm trying to find the actual number. I think Titanic could carry like about three thousand people. I don't know how many of those thousands ended up perishing in the sinking of the Titanic. I haven't heard that. Uh, like, I, I you know what? I actually saw a headline recently that was like. All the children that were evacuated got reunited with their parents, except for two. There were two children that they couldn't, like, place with anybody. And I shouldn't have brought that up, because I don't know what happened. Uh, this is from History.com. Uh, so, of the 2,240 passengers and crew on board, more than 1,500 lost their lives in the disaster. So, like... 30% of the, the ship made it off, roughly. Mm. Wow. I don't know the exact the exact statistic. I can I can do the math. Let's just say it was exactly 1,500, even though it said more than that. We Let's just round. assume that that's the exact number. We're rounding down a little bit. Uh, well, if it was 1,500 out of 3,000, that would be 50%. It's uh, 2,240. Oh, okay. Is how many was on the ship. Jerry's doing some math. Stop for time so that Jerry can do some math. Using Alright. So, about 67% of the, sh the passengers and crew died. So, 33% made it off. Mm, wow. Yeah, that is no bueno. Um, yeah. The scariest part of imagining the sinking of the Titanic for me, like, this has always been the case ever since I was a little kid. The scariest part for me was the point at which the ship became vertical as it was going down and so many people were still on there and having to experience the ship like like becoming vertical you know what i mean and then you're mm -hmm. having to hold on to whatever you can like that that image to me is so scary imagining people like holding on for their lives uh, as death is imminently pending and this is another fun well this is not, nothing about this. Is fun. 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 Yeah. Okay. Bad choice of words. But like, one of a very popular fun fact that people talk about the Titanic sinking is that the orchestra that was on the ship played as long as they could throughout the entire event of the ship sinking to like keep everybody calm and like as uh, you know as emotionally you know stable I guess as possible. Like they were trying to lighten the mood because they knew they were gonna die. I just imagine, like, the orchestra trying to find, like, a place to stand as the ship is going vertical to continue playing. Like, like they're, like, walking down one of the hallways, and they're like, yeah, this hallway, like, will soon be the floor. 
Like, the wall of this hall will soon be the floor. Let's stand oh, here. The, like, mast, the pole for the, the for the mast, probably, they, like, all climbed up onto that log, and we're just sitting on it, playing their instruments. I, the bass guy, I don't know. If you're playing a standing bass, that would be especially <laughs> difficult, but I, I'm, I hope he found a way. Yeah, maybe he, like, laid it down and played it like, like, a, like a harp. Like a dulcimer on his lap. Yeah, yeah. Dulcimer! That's the, that's what I was looking for. You're welcome. If y'all don't know uh, what a, what a but, dulcimer is, you should look it up. They're the coolest little string instruments. Yeah. They're like... They're like planks with strings screwed into them. Uh-huh. If anybody can play a dulcimer at home, that's cool. They're very easy to learn. And if you don't know how to play a Listen. dulcimer, um, very good introductory string instrument. Yeah, if you don't know how to play a dulcimer, what are you even doing with your life? Doing with your life. Go out and get a dulcimer. Failure. God. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, what? What's even the point? Uh. <laughs> all right. All right. So, but yeah, Titanic bad. Yeah, Titanic Sank, bad. Iceberg's bad. Bad. It's all bad. We but, more we, life but the good news is we have better maritime laws and regulations and ordinances in place to prevent something so horrible from happening again in the future, and hopefully nothing like it ever happens again. And with yeah, that being I, said, I, I sorry, just one more topic on Titanic. I looked up uh, when the last cruise ship like had sank, like in recent history. And apparently the last time a cruise ship sank to any degree was 2013. Oh. Does it say anything else? Does it say, like, how so, many, if anybody died? Uh, I think it was, like, 32 people mm. had died. One second. When so, was the last time a cruise ship sank? Uh, yeah, partially sank uh, off. It was 2012 mm. was the last time it sank. Uh, it partially sank off the coast of, uh, Italy, hmm. killing 32 people after hitting a submerged rock. Oh, God damn it. Uh, and, yeah, since then, those ships have sank, and from 1980 to 2012, about 16 ships have sunk. So boats do still sink, but... Yeah, and and the event that that happens, but there's a better chance all the ones that are still surviving. floating are technically unsinkable. You know, I mm -hmm. so a this, fun this fact. is very true. Yes. I think. Ooh, I was on yeah the uh, the most tragic one in like recent history. God, what was it? I think there was like the boss. Yeah, the boss on it. There was like a <laughs> the balsamic <laughs> a ship that sank. I. I yeah, the balsamic. Uh, I, I don't know where I was reading it. I, I've lost it at this point, and I do not want to give false information. Okay. I want to say but a yeah, little fun fact was, about... was a bad one. The, just so the viewers at home, or listeners at home, I want to say, uh, I think the more we go on, the more of an audio delay we get. So if there's ever, like, weird interrupting or dead air, we're going to blame the technology, because I can just tell that there's a delay. <laughs> so just, like... A warning going yeah. forward. Um, little fun fact about Aime. I despise airplanes. And I do not despise ships. And I say to people, like, 
I fucking hate flying. It's one of my least favorite concepts in the universe. I hate airplanes. And I like I just panic about airplanes. And but I'm fine with ships. Absolutely fine with boats. I will go on a ship or a boat any day of the week. Just hit me up. And people are like, but if you're afraid of airplanes crashing, why are you not afraid of boats sinking? And like, sis, if an airplane crashes, you're pretty much dead. You can pretty much count on that being the end of your life if a ship sinks you might die but you have a lot of time to figure it out they take a long time to sink does not take for a long for airplanes to crash and then when it happens lights out you know what i mean so it's not like the likelihood of it happening it's like in the event that it does happen i want to max out my survival chances and like airplanes are not it they are not it at all (laughs) you know it's a really good thing that i don't panic on airplanes uh i've only been on an airplane once and it was a flight to Hawaii. I also, it was a 16-hour flight. Yes, I have also <laughs> flown to Hawaii, and it is long and difficult. And if you're claustrophobic, uh, hearts out to you. It, yeah, we were we were cool. flying in like coach, and I am I am quite a large individual. For those of you listening at home, I'm like six foot two, six foot three, somewhere in that range. Pretty wide. I'm a I'm a large guy. Uh. There's no leg room on planes. It was so uncomfortable. Yeah, definitely. It is cramped. Never never fly with a sinus infection either, because it feels like your head will explode. Oh, God. That's my two cents. Yeah. Uh, while we're on airplanes. Yes. I was just going to say, good segue. Uh, <laughs> so, the most recent tragedy, we're actually... Shirtwaist happened in 1911 and Titanic and happened in 1912. So now we're jumping way ahead to 2001. 9-11 is something I think similar to the Titanic. Everybody who's listening has probably at least heard of. I don't know, like, people who are younger and were born after 9-11. I don't know how much to expect of them to know. What are you going to say, Jerry? Uh, do we want to disconnect, reconnect real quick? Just so, like, we can try to nip the uh, delay in the bud before we talk about this next topic. Be right back, everybody. Hold on. So, hi, we're back. Trying to work through our technical difficulties. Yeah. Um. So we're gonna go ahead and talk about 9/11. I was saying, I don't know how to how much to expect younger people to know, but I guess to establish baseline information, 9/11 is a very uh, talked about terrorist attack that occurred on the United States of America on September 11, 2001. Um. My cat is ambushing me. Um, so, 9-11, this is the scariest story ever to me because I already established that I hate airplanes and to imagine an airplane being uh, hijacked maliciously and then crashed purposefully and like knowing that the end of my life is nigh is really like emotionally dark to consider as a scenario. So uh, in the case of 9-11, probably the most famous image that comes to mind is the attack on the Twin Towers. It was multifaceted, but there's a lot of videos and commentary out there about how uh, two United States airplanes were hijacked by al-Qaeda terrorists and flown into the World Trade Center in New York City and uh, led to, you know, disastrous consequences, uh, killed many people on the airplanes and also in the buildings and a lot of first responders and firefighters died as a result of rescue attempts and it was just it was a massively uh, consequential 
a horrible tragedy that occurred in a recent American history. And it led to a lot of different kind of legislations, uh, foreign relations and internally with United States laws and systems afterwards. And uh, yeah. So, yeah. You know, specifically, a lot of people attribute real stricter TSA ordinances and airports, uh, higher security parameters and the development of immigration ordinances and parameters and groups and systems such as ICE. And it also led to American foreign intervention and attacks on communities in Iraq. Um, I don't know, it's like difficult to commentate on this because it's still, we're still like, even though it's been, you know, almost 20 years now, it's like we're still living in the aftermath of it. And there's still a lot of people who feel the horrible tragedies and the consequences. And, you know, I know people who know people who have been there and people who have lost loved ones. And it's like, unlike Shirtwaist and Titanic, we still feel the aftermath of 9-11 and the horrible things it had done and has led to. So, Jerry, I don't know if you have any thoughts you want to share. I feel like there's not too much we can really add to the discourse. No. I mean, like, yeah, the real thing that I was going to say was about, like, TSA on the whole, like, they're very strict and get a lot of, well, shit for, like, you know, being like, oh, you can't take this water bottle on board and things like that. But, like, those guidelines exist for a reason. Yes. Like, they're not just saying it to specifically screw you over for trying to drink water and stay hydrated. Like, there are basis of these and in this case, it is rooted in a American tragedy. Mm -hmm. I think one of the, uh, so like, I think one of the more unfavorable consequences of nine eleven, in terms of you know societal, sociological kind of alterations, was the uh, paradigm that Americans developed on Muslim communities and Islam as a religion and a lot of uh, of the modern political platforms that we're exposed to are emboldened like uh, are bolstered on anti-Muslim and Islam rhetoric and when Donald Trump came in office of course very famously there was a Muslim ban and that affected a lot of families adversely and it's it's like you know you can I I can appreciate the safety parameters that are taken in airports because when you're on a plane, needless to say, do not need to clarify, uh, if something goes wrong on a plane, that's one of the worst environments to deal with an emergency. Um, but in terms of yeah. you know sociological and cultural paradigms that have been adjusted in conjunction with 9/11, um, you know there's a lot of negativity kind of and stereotyping and generalizations and so on and so forth that are permeating American culture and legislation and that's a real tragedy in the aftermath of, of such a thing and you know I can I I want to not criticize anybody for hurting in the aftermath of the event um, but I guess if I'm gonna go ahead and drop my unsolicited two cents in on the discourse, I would say, you know, antagonizing Muslim people or antagonizing people of color, just general being xenophobic and having a Muslim ban and generalizing an entire community, an entire religion based on the actions of a few radical individuals is not the way. And I do not 
support this kind of behavior. So this was like not the direction I thought we would go in, but I'm just finding myself wanting to say those things. I just like for people to know that's, where I stand. That's fair. I think we're almost out of time for this week's recording, yeah? I think you're right, yes. Alright, so should probably start getting towards the end, wrapping things up, saying whether or not our or guessing whether or not our things are true. Uh, I feel like you did pose with a Rice Krispie box. But I said I took, what I meant was I took a picture with, I used the box as the camera. I still think that's true. Well, it is true. There is like a way to construct a camera with like DIY home stuff. Um, and you just got to buy the right film and be in the right lighting conditions. And you can take any cardboard box with the right dimensions and poke a hole in it and make a little camera out of it. And I still have the negatives that I that I created from using a cardboard box as a camera. Nice. Yeah. What about, so what was your thing? Can you remind me? I have a, a very powerful individual trapped on my desk. That's so fucking weird. I feel like, yeah, I'm sure you do. Like you must. Why else would you say that? Uh, it is true. I have, a very powerful wizard mm -hmm. uh, from my D&D campaign uh, in my dice jail. It's a little minifigure of him. Adorable. Yeah, Jerry, he, I well, don't, not falsely imprisoned. I don't think you've lied yet. I think everything you've said so far has all been true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You ordered the gummy bears, you broke into your high school, you uh, shat on a toilet seat and then sat in it. Like, everything has been true so far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, keep you on your toes. One of these days I might lie. Yeah, and true. every time you're like, what if this is the time? What if this is the day you lied? And it's like, there's no way he could have done that. There's no way that that's a lie. But, lo and behold. Guys, tune in every week yeah. to finally uh, hear the day that Jerry lies. You got an, the day, it'll be the end of days. Yeah, that'll be the <laughs> that'll be the last episode of the podcast. This is not true. Uh, I may lie many times between now and then. But you'll have to tune in to find out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Until next time. Yes, thank you guys for listening so much. We appreciate this all is... 74 of you people that downloaded our episodes. And we, you know, we love feeling like we're talking to somebody. So thank you so you, much for listening. You, you, you can't see this because this is a podcast, but I'm doing the finger heart thing into the camera right now. So much love. As a sign that that we love each and every one of you, yes. even you people who want to get coughed in your mouths. Even even the R's of the world, the Q's and the R's, even you guys. Yeah. Okay. Alrighty. That's all. Goodbye. Bye. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs>